I'm Ethan Evans, and you are listening to Checked In, a podcast sponsored by the Missouri Association of School Librarians. Just want to appreciate you uh, listening in, whether it's your first time or you've been listening along for the last couple of seasons. We really appreciate you being here. If you have the opportunity to rate us and review us on whatever system you use to catch all your podcasts, we would greatly appreciate that. That helps kind of get the word out. Um, I know it's a little bit late uh, or later than it normally would be for us to be publishing this episode. Usually I try to stick to uh, every two weeks. Obviously, things that have been going on in the world the last couple of weeks have made a podcast about library programming seem um, not quite as important um, as other things being said and done and other voices being heard. And so took a little bit of a break. We're going to go ahead and release this episode uh, now um, for those of you who've been waiting on it and uh, kind of move forward with getting ready for next season after that. But definitely want to... um, address the black lives matter protests happening all over the nation um and still continuing to happen people still continuing to try to get their voices heard um and i just think in light of all of the statements that have been made uh in recent weeks that feel like they were made because they had to be uh i want to say just obviously that i think Myself as a librarian and any librarians in Missouri and everywhere that I know and have met obviously believe that Black Lives Matter and that we want to curate collections that reflect that and uh, speak to um, those kids who feel like they don't have a voice and those people who feel like they don't have a voice, uh, who feel like they're labeled as less than and to make sure that they see themselves in stories and in life um as equal partners with equal opportunities um the least you could try to give them so that's uh that's how i feel about the matter obviously there's a lot more that could be said but i don't feel like i'm the person who should say it so um if you're somebody who's looking for voices of people um that might be good to listen to right now you can ask the librarians in your life or the people that you know for those voices for those own voices um that should be the ones, you know, speaking into the microphone now. So with that being said, um, we're going to go ahead and jump in. Today is the part three in our little programming series we've done here at the end of this season. Um, today we're, we've talked about tabletop games, we've talked about esports, um, and today we're talking with Josh Swindler specifically about Dungeons and Dragons, which is something that's kind of seen a big comeback both in media. Um, just and in gameplay as well uh, lots of libraries doing different programs and Josh specifically has started one at his branch or been a part of starting one I should say and so he's got a lot of good information for getting into that and so without further ado we'll go ahead and jump right in <music> Okay, I am back once again with Josh Swindler, who has graciously uh, accepted um, an invitation to return and talk about um, some more specific things. Uh, and by that, I mean uh, Dungeons and Dragons, D&D, RPGs, things that we are both very interested in um, and th- something that he has a lot of experience with. And so I'm really excited to uh, 
bring him on and talk a little bit about that. So Josh, thanks again for joining us so quickly. Really appreciate uh, being able to pick your brain a little bit. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so last week, uh, I talked with my friend Taylor about tabletop um, and kind of some different um, options there because a lot of libraries and a lot of high school students um, that I've interacted with have um, been interested in kind of expanding their repertoire uh, because there are kids that are interested. A lot of librarians who don't know a ton about tabletop gaming um, are interested in getting that going because I've got kids who are talking to me about Magic the Gathering and kids who are talking to me about, uh, you know, Settlers of Catan, you know, any, all these other different games that they want to start playing. Um, and specifically, I've seen a lot of libraries, school libraries and public libraries, uh, reminder, Josh works at St. Joseph Public Library, uh, that are kind of delving into this whole D&D uh, &D thing, what once used to be something that was kind of um, not as well known or not as popular maybe, is kind of seeing a resurgence. So uh, first, Josh, I kind of want to talk to you about that. Um, why do you think that D&D &D and like RPGs and um, those types of games are kind of seeing a resurgent um, in the last, a resurgence, I should say, in the last couple of years? Yeah, so there's two things that kind of have a, allowed that to happen. <clears throat> um, the, the first and most important thing was that in 2014, Wizards of the Coast, who owns Dungeons and Dragons, they released fifth edition, uh, which if you if you paid any attention to Dungeons and Dragons, like it started out with the D and D, and then advanced D and D, and then second edition, third edition, three and a half, fourth, fifth. Um, they keep publishing new editions with updated rules and all that stuff. Uh, three and a half and four E, those two editions were both pretty crunchy in terms of like what kind of math was involved, and like a combat session would last like an hour and a half to two hours. Everything was super slow. You'd have to like constantly be checking the book. Um, just essentially like the amount of rules that you had to know was just insane. Uh, so when they released fifth edition, they really stripped the rules down. Like it's still, it's still pretty complicated. Like don't get me wrong, your first session, you are overwhelmed. Um, but when you compare that to especially three and a half, uh, it's miles better. So it's much more accessible um which makes it easier for people to come in and then there's also been this surge in what's called live action podcasts and it's literally just a podcast of people playing dungeons and dragons um some like critical role it's a uh, broadcast on twitch live and then other people like uh um the adventure zone which is with the McElroy brothers uh that one's heavily edited and has like really good post-production um but those two things have really like i know people who don't play dungeons and dragons but love listening to podcasts and because of that like they could pick it up no problem because a lot of the rules are discussed in there but right and i that's i talked a little bit about that last week i you know uh adventure zone was kind of my reintroduction into that and to the McElroy brothers in general, you know, it's obviously it's, it's hilarious and funny yep. and engaging. Um, and also, yeah. can we, can we talk about how wrecked that ending of the first campaign is? Okay. Here's the thing. I haven't finished it yet. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Okay. You, you, you're, not, you're not ruining anything, but I, 
I, I, no, I, no well, I mean, I'm, it's just like, uh, there's uh, podcast wise that we could do a whole nother episode about that, Josh. Uh, I'm so backlogged right now on podcasts. Like it's unreal. Um, yep. Even with all this time to like listen and stuff. And I've been listening. It's just yep. like with everything else. So no, I'm still working on that. Um, I do have, my friends got me the, uh, they had a graphic novel yeah made or whatever and i got the first volume of that and it was awesome, awesome. um yeah so uh yeah adventure zone i highly recommend but i noticed yeah a lot of people kind of interacting even my brother told me he like he bought a source book <laughs> recently yeah. like he didn't even, he didn't even play uh but he's been listening to a podcast and wanted to know more about <laughs> yeah. what they're talking about so he like bought a book just to kind of follow along uh, yeah. with what's going on um so I know, yeah, it's been, it's been crazy kind of the popularity research and you see like more, I think like celebrities specifically, specifically yep. like what, what is it? Joe Mangiello or the, the yeah. actor, like he's like super into it. They've been like doing uh, fundraisers and stuff where you can like come play with him and he's got like a whole room devoted to it and stuff. And yep. I just think it's really cool. Like those people, what once was, you know, something that you didn't want to talk about if you participated in, which, you know, they're, a host of reasons that's kind of foolish thinking but now it's much like a lot of other things in like nerddom or whatever it's like something you can like fully embrace and yeah. it's cool you know so um what got you i know you you run uh a, i don't even know the right terminology a campaign uh club kind of thing uh you're you do you dm yeah um, i so i am technically playing in two campaigns getting ready to start a third campaign and dm my own campaign so i do a little bit of D. &D. <laughs> yeah that's uh that's that's one way to describe it yeah. like what, what got you interested uh i mean maybe it's what we just talked about but kind of what got you interested in participating and in leading things at the mm -hmm. library so i had like my dad played uh, Dungeons and Dragons when it was like first published um, back in the day and then like the satanic panic happened and he right. kind of like that whole thing got weird but he always like talked about um, how like even though you know it was bad he had a lot of fun playing it and then um, so there, that always kind of like sat in the back of my mind of like ah oh, it's too bad that like I don't get to play D&D &D. and then got older and met a new group of friends and they were all really avid players and so i'm just casually mentioned and i was like hey if you guys ever have a seat open up at your table just let me know because i'd love to play and so not too long after that they had a seat open up and uh i dived right in with a uh tiefling rogue tieflings are like what happens when a demon and a human get together and okay. uh so super edgelord um <laughs> <laughs> um but uh anyway yeah it was a and that that was kind of it from there yeah so you got to kind of get some experience with some individuals who were already hardcore into it how did that yeah. kind of translate into what you're doing now at the library yeah so i had played for probably a year and a half and I got the job at the library and the really nice thing about my system is that we're each given a ton of freedom in what kind of programming we do. 
And so when I came on, they were just like, you know, think about what you enjoy doing and kind of figure out a way to make that accessible because there's people in the community who would also enjoy that. And so I had known that at some point I wanted to run my own game and had just assumed that like I'd give my DM a, a break and he could play and I could DM. And, um, but when I got on at the library, I just kind of like casually mentioned like, Hey, this would be a cool program to do. And then like several months later, we had uh, the starter kit, which is the dungeon master's guide, the player handbook, and then um, like four short campaigns. It's a, it's a kit that you can buy. It was donated to the library and it's not like an item that you can check out because you don't take it home for two weeks and then return it. It's like a reference item. So we were trying to figure out how to use it. And uh, my manager decided that she was going to go ahead and get a game set up. We had a volunteer come in within like two months. He had 14 people coming to every session, oh, gosh. which is unreal and yeah. <laughs> impossible. Like you yeah. can't run a game like that. Uh, so we split the groups up into two and I volunteered to run the second one. And that's been about nine or 10 months now that we've been, I've been running the second group. Okay. And we should specify, cause I, I forget sometimes that terminology kind of goes over people's heads. When we say DM, that's dungeon master is yeah. you're the person in charge of kind of running the narrative, right? For the other players. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah, so the way that I like to describe it is that Dungeons & Dragons at its core is telling a story with a group. And so everybody's writing their part in the story as it's happening. And so the DM's job is to essentially set up conflict and then play all of the side characters. So the main players, are the, the, main, char the main cast in the story are played by the characters, and then you fill in all the background, you're the big bad evil guy, uh, you're the king who sends him out on the quest, whatever. Um, but your main job is to provide the conflict and then to be a rules referee. So uh, you're the guy who's supposed to know all the rules for literally everything and to bluff it when you don't half of the time. <laughs> <laughs> that, sounds, uh, that sounds about how I play all types of games. So... <laughs> Um, so yeah, so it is a little bit different when you're kind of in charge of the, I mean, I think there's still, obviously, I mean, people love DMing. I had a, I had a group a couple of years ago at my school, um, and a, a kid was DMing and he'd come tell me about what was going on his campaign or whatever. So I, I know there's like, some people look at DMing and are like, oh, I want to play, but there is a lot of like really cool things that you're yeah. getting to do and control and, and, and kind of come up with on the fly, like you said, as the dungeon yeah. master, right? Yeah, it's kind of, if you like the mechanics behind Dungeons & Dragons, then you'll love being a DM more than being a player. If you really just want to blow up and have your shining moment in the sun, then you definitely want to be a player. Because right. if you're the DM and you're the center of attention, you're just monologuing, and that's not fun for anybody. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I enjoy both aspects. So, uh, like, I know, like, the guy who DMs for my group, at like my home group, he doesn't play hardly at all. Uh, he only DMs and that's how he likes it. I know a couple other guys who do both. Um, and then obviously most people are uh, perfectly happy with just playing. Right. And one of the ways that I think that like why I've been so excited to see this in like schools and school libraries is like, there's such an aspect of like, like you said, like story creation, regardless of what 
like where you're what like who you are in this scenario right like if you're dming you're creating a story or creating kind of like a world a pathway for these individuals playing and they kind of get to push the narrative in whatever direction they want and then those obviously those individuals are getting to make decisions for their characters that affect their party and other characters and things as well so there's just such a cool aspect of of story creation there that i think is is you know easily applicable to you know like educational standards and things like that yeah especially if you so the because it's a storytelling device and that's really what it is it's a device for storytelling you can explore so many different options so i have a friend who's getting ready to uh like he's moving his campaign in a new direction and he's going to start exploring old English fairy tales. Um, so like he's, I, I think you could make an easy argument that he is doing classical lit research in uh, historical English stories. Um, in my group, we end up doing a lot of civil rights stuff because that's just something I'm really passionate about. Um, so I make sure that like we have a lot of diverse non-player characters. We have a couple of players who uh, their characters are a different gender than them. So there's lots of like exploration that gets to happen in a safe place and a lot of like really good education. Um, like for example, I'm terrible with pronouns. Like it's something I care really deeply about, but it's something I have to be intentional about. And when I'm trying to keep track of 15 different things, I'll introduce the characters, they, them, and then five minutes later call them she, and then my group's like, hey, you said they, them. And we had, this went on for like a couple of months. And one of the uh, young guys who's like 13, he was like, hey, I don't know why this matters. I don't, I don't even know what they, them means, like what's going on. And so we had this really good discussion about pronouns and identity. Um, and it just gave him a safe place to be able to kind of see that in action, which I think is a large part of what literature is is a safe place to explore new ideas. Yeah, absolutely. I, that That's such a cool story. And this type of thing gets my uh, old teacher brain running, uh, trying to do things that if I was still teaching, I know I would never have time for based on what uh, you're required to do. But I just think it'd be so cool if you had time to like create narratives based around like certain particular stories or like, uh, authors you know like I think yep. building a narrative in like a Steinbeck story would be so interesting or uh, I really love Kurt Vonnegut's short story Harrison Bergeron oh and, yeah like that I think would be amazing an amazing way to get kids engaged in like these you know ideas and these worlds and really get them to see it uh, in the way that you want so now that's all I'm gonna be thinking about for like the next week gosh so thanks for that um, yeah but yeah, like I think, like you said, the opportunity to just have these conversations in a way that's not abrasive um, <laughs> or feels like you're beating somebody over the head with it. It's kind of introducing these concepts in a place where you're um, getting the opportunity to, to explore new ideas, like you said. I think yeah. it's so cool. So um, you kind of talked a little bit about how you you guys got started, but. Uh, I mean, it, just in general, if I'm a I'm a library branch that's interested in starting, um, you know, some D and D sessions. If I'm a school librarian trying to figure that out, what would some suggestions be from you just to kind of get things, get the ball rolling, um, and get it out to my kids? 
So the first thing I would say is that your DM needs to be somebody who's familiar with the game. So like the first time I DM'd was at the library, but I'd been playing, I'd been listening to these podcasts, I was pretty familiar with the rule system. So if you've never played D&D, don't try to start a group yourself. <laughs> Go find a volunteer. And so a really good place to do that is local game stores, um, like brick and mortar shops because there are all kinds of people who are looking for groups that will go and just like leave like a sheet of paper with the number on it. Um, and the, like the guys who run the stores, they almost always know people who are looking to start a new game. So that's a good place to find it. Uh, Wizards of the Coast also has a forum online where people are looking for uh, either players or DMs. So that's not only a good place to find a volunteer DM, it's also a good place to advertise your new game because, I mean, you know, obviously like a local library is concerned with its local uh, community members, but there's also nothing wrong with having a program that serves like the nation at large. Well, right. And if you're going to, if you need somebody who's going to be able to DM the game, like if, if the game is contingent on that, then, you yeah. know, I feel like you can, it's easier to let that type of thing slide, you know? Yeah. So, um, so that's, that's what, the first thing that you've got to do is get the DM. Um, if you have a staff member who's familiar, you're good to go. If not, find someone who volunteers in the community. Um, the second thing to do is to start, if you're the DM, is to start educating yourself. So like I read a lot of books, um, articles, all that stuff. I also watch some YouTube channels like Taking 20. Um, and then I listen to a lot of live play po podcasts. Um, so those are the main things we really found. We didn't have to advertise hardly at all. Like we actually had to cap both sessions because they were just getting overwhelmed. Like we had one week where I had 10 people show up at my session and then he had 14 again at his session. Um, which is awesome from a number standpoint, right. like, you know, we got 24 new people in the library who wouldn't have been there, but when it comes to actually running the session, like it just doesn't work. Um, so that, uh, so yeah, capping systems, um, really more than eight is what I found is, uh, you want to keep it eight and under, um, but yeah, those would kind of be the main things that I would kind of point a librarian towards. And I think the, the nice thing too, is if you're, if you're, I think if you're nervous about starting, cause you don't have as much experience um because like like i told you like for me i've not actually played i have some experience based on what i listen to what i read but i think if you're nervous about that a especially as a school librarian a you're probably going to have a kid that is super well versed and it'd be more fun and more like the kids always love to teach you stuff anyway so it'd be more fun yeah. to have them in charge of it anyhow and you kind of you know being there along for the ride or even playing in the game with them and B, if you don't have a kid who's that knowledgeable about within nobody else is going to know more than you. So like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like you can make a bunch of mistakes with these kids. They're going to know you can be upfront and honest about it and be like, Hey, let's figure this out and make it a regular thing. And I think that that's something that kids enjoy too when they see yeah. teachers and adults in their lives, like willing to fail at something alongside them. That's a huge thing. I think so. Yeah. And that's something I actually do in my game is I farm a lot of the work out to the players. Um, so like I've got eight players in my game 
and each one is playing a different class with a different race and each class and each race has their own set of rules i i can't keep track of that like i read through the overview just to have a general idea but it's on each of them to remember their stuff and to remind me and so you know a great way to do it would just be to say um hey i'm starting out you're starting out you're in charge of knowing your character and i'm just going to trust that you're not going to cheat um and then you're going to trust that when i mess stuff up i'm not doing it on purpose <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly and i think like i don't know I, it, it doesn't strike me as like i don't know why you would come to a game wanting to you know wanting to cheat the system yeah. like the whole point is to engage with the process and to meet yep. difficulties and find ways around things so hopefully you wouldn't have that issue if so then the motivation yeah. behind doing it doesn't make any sense anyways so well definitely nobody ever fudges a dice roll that's something right. that never happens right absolutely absolutely i uh can speak to that myself i've never ever done that um nope. in any situation um i do like <laughs> I, I was thinking a little bit about you talking about like accessibility being such a huge thing here and i think that, that like is a such a, a a good point and something that you can't talk about enough because the way these games have become more accessible is so huge at getting people involved who would never have like considered getting involved before. Cause I, we talked last week about uh, Warhammer versus star Wars Legion, uh, which is something okay. I play. And the reason that I play star Wars Legion is because I love star Wars and won't stop okay. talking about it, but also like the movement, like you're moving these miniatures, but like one of the big th ways that they updated it was like you have a unit commander and you just move him and then you just gather everybody else around him, which was so huge to me because all I ever heard about when I like read about Warhammer and stuff, I was like, dude, that sounds awesome. Except that I go to these game shops and these guys have like tape measures and are like tape measuring each individual person and then like writing yeah. out the math for like firing and receiving fire and like things like that and like if you're passionate about that that's awesome yeah i do not have time to do that or care enough about like a millimeter distance line of sight type you know what i mean and so like i think by making these games more accessible and like you said there's still like there's still a ton of 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 depth to dnd &D, yeah. obviously um yeah but making it a little bit more accessible to people is just so huge. So that's really something I want to stress to people is like these companies, I think are, are really doing the work to try to gather people in and make these games um, available to people. So um, yeah. you talked a little bit about uh, a couple of different moments with your group, but I did want you to uh, have the opportunity to maybe talk about some of your other favorite moments kind of leading your group um, so far in the time that you've had. Yeah, so you'd asked me this question before and I spent some time thinking and it was, I think my favorite moment is actually a moment when I screwed up really badly. Okay. Um, so like Dungeons and Dragons, I, I like to use published content for my campaign. It does a lot of the work for me. And so I was using um, Ghosts of Saltmarsh, which is a region. And so I'd spent, man, I probably spent four weeks like researching this city and I did like annotated geography, annotated sociology. Like I had 20 pages of notes and research over this four weeks. And we'd been playing there for about a month and a half. I'd planned on spending the next six months there. Like I had this huge arc, like put in a lot of work. And the story that I was trying to tell was like this really morally complex one. Like I kept making the players choose between the lesser of two evils. And a lot of that's just because that's what I, that's the stories that I like. And so it culminated with um, the local mob boss had like just saved their lives 
and then like dropped a bag of gold at each of their feet and said, cool, you work for me now. And in return, I'll protect you from the other criminals and I'll protect you from the sheriff. I won't make you get involved with the slavery and stuff like that. But, you know, you do work for a crime boss. And the, like in unison, the, without hesitation, they all said, now nah, we're just going to leave town. <laughs> so I had to have this moment where I was like, oh, okay, cool. We're leaving town. I'm just going to throw away this notebook full of <laughs> plans. And uh, so, yeah, that was, uh, that was, it was just this really like cool moment where they completely surprised me and uh, I had to completely jump rails. Yeah. And I think like, I see so many like jokes online and like memes about that, about like the work, the work that DMs put into these campaigns and like the ease with which these players screw up the plans all the time. But it seems like that's like a like that's a part of it too and i like even dms that i see that are like not, they're not actually frustrated a lot of times like it's just kind of funny to them the way that these these things can go awry so yeah that's awesome well thanks for coming on dude and talking a little bit about this stuff like i said um i knew that i wanted to talk to you about it more specifically because i knew that you are my, at least the local expert for me um it sounds like for other people as well so um really appreciate you coming on because i know i've i've seen a bunch of schools starting programs and I've talked to other librarians who want to start programs and stuff. So I think that talking with you has given us a good kind of starting point um, for those individuals. So uh, I really appreciate you coming on doing that, man. Yeah. Thank you. All right. We'll see you later, man. All right. Have a good one. Thanks to Josh for coming on and talking with us today. Also huge thank you to Perry Maslowski, uh, whose music we've been using for the back half of the season. Really appreciate that. Uh, thank you so much for hanging out with us um, throughout the course of this season. We hope you'll tune in as we get ready to start season three um, in September. However that's going to look, uh, we'll hope you tune in and check it out. Thanks again. Have a great summer. <laughs>